with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and perhaps the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way from East Bridgewater, is the blonde bombshell herself, Anne Kerrigan. Well, good evening to you. How there are you? you? Go. Good, good, good. Good. Good, good, good. You know, I always get crap because I say Van Helsink and not sing... But I was watching uh, the movie Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman, and we're, we're, you know, we're separated by Brett. There's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> but especially since I've been working out, you know. Oh uh, right, yes, and, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, brothers well, from another see, mother. You, wait, yeah, you have not seen me, young lady, for a while. So, no, uh, I haven't. Hey, I am Jack. I'm telling oh, you. Oh my God! Stop! You're gonna get me all excited. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, I was I was listening to the girls in the uh, the movie, and they said Van Helsing because they have that Bavarian accent. So there you go. Yes, I thank you, Doctor Frankenstein. <laughs> there you are. Yeah, can you believe it? It's almost like a month away. Uh, Spirit Quest, and I'm so excited about that. Oh, jeez, that crept up fast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. a a month from this weekend, isn't it? Yes, it is. Ah. Oh. I'm so excited. Uh, uh, Cal Cooper's coming back, uh, and also uh, my uh, co-host from International, the uh, gold standard in ghost hunting, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, is coming, Mr. Stephen Parsons. So, mm-hmm. okay. Jane, Jane Dory will be back. You'll be there. At some yes, point. I will. Yeah. Uh, Thomas D'Agostino. I'll have a largest collection of Ouija boards. There's going to be more workshops this year, more experiments. Uh, Paranormal Survivor on Friday night, which is going to be a lot of fun, Psychic Supper. And then, of course, the event on Saturday night, uh, which will be all uh, it'll be interesting. Mediumship through the years. and mm-hmm. uh, So it'll be a, a multi-presentation. So it'll be cool. Excellent. Excellent. Can't wait. Can't wait to see everybody go. and... Is uh, Roxy's Wicker going to be there? She will be there on Saturday. Awesome. Well, yep, that's she, when I'll be there. So. Yeah, she'll be there in the morning. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll catch her before she runs off. Mm, never know. Never <laughs> know. Another cemetery fan, such as, such really? as myself. Yes. Hmm. Oh, like Roxy. <laughs> oh yeah, and you. That's what you were saying, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, right. I knew yeah, you were I, saying that. I, I absolutely you. knew you were saying that. Right. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, cemeteries are really interesting. I mean, there's so many. Uh, uh, I don't know what's the the word, but I mean, there's so many aspects of it that are, that are interesting, and 
you know, not just the gravestones themselves, but the stories about the cemeteries, the stories behind the gravestones. I mean, That's true. It's totally intriguing mm-hmm. to me. Yes, it's, it definitely is. And uh, my latest cemetery tripping that I just sent to you. No, I didn't get to record it for tonight. I'm sorry. I, oh, I will shoot okay. for next week, but that's not a problem. You know, I did a little a little story about the children in the cemetery. Oh, that's that's cute. Kind of interesting and yeah, you, you just uh, tragic. Pictures. You know, if you had pictures of kitties, it'd be really a hit. Kitties. <laughs> Not of those kind kitties, of kitties. Kitties are really important on Facebook, evidently. Uh, so. Apparently so, yes, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so anyways, definitely. we have a friend uh, from Scotland, and I think we can call him a friend. We've known uh, Stephen so. Scott for, for a long time. <laughs> um, he's, he's, he's not only a follower of the show, but he's also, uh, you know, an interesting character, uh, and I've done work with him, or he's done work with me in my paranormal study group. Uh, he is none other than Stephen Scott, the spiritualist medium from Scotland. So, Stephen, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Good. Hi, good. Stephen. <laughs> Hi, Ann. So, so it's like what midnight there or something? Ah, uh, shh! Don't mention that. Don't mention that. And we'll be fine. <laughs> He's got a big cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do actually. I've, I've got a big cola here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that, I don't think you you guys drink coffee, do you, in Scotland? I mean, that's I, uh, right. I, maybe only about five or six cups a day for me, Ron. To be honest, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I didn't think so. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that's all right. Not like in the United States. I, I understand. Okay, that's don't absolutely. Worry. Yeah, yeah. Stephen, you know, I, I'm kind of intrigued because, uh, you know, it's such a global community now, and, uh, you know, we're grow- we grew up in New England, so we know what New England's like, and uh, we hear about Scotland, and, and we think we know what Scotland's like, but we wonder if, you know, is, is it what we really think? What do you think of when you think of Scotland, Anne? Well... Apparently, I've been thinking the wrong thing, according to Facebook today, because many people thought it was its own country. And well, it will be shortly. It's part of the UK. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> Why will it be? Because they voted to leave the Commonwealth. Ah. It's, it, See, but no, I didn't know right. you. No, it's, it's not till uh, I think it's next year. No, it's uh, 2015 or 16, I believe, they're going to take the vote. Ah. Yeah. So they're just uh, talking about it. We're all painting our faces blue and white and shaking our pitchforks down south again, I'm afraid. Yes, it's, it's all come back <laughs> again. I have to say, though, yeah, when I think of Scotland, I think about, like, you know, the moors and, uh, really? you know, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, creepy. I don't know. <laughs> good job, Ian. Let me tell you, that was a very good description. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> really? So, uh, uh, Stephen, is it? Uh, do you live in the moors and, and a creepy moor? Is that uh, where you live? Yeah, I, I will have to uh, break some myths. Um, we don't all live in stone huts. We don't all have sheep. Oh, jeez. Um, Damn. <laughs> we don't, but there are a lot of moorlands. There are a lot of absolutely beautiful places in Scotland. I would have to say... Being Scottish and not just uh, 
hyping this up in any way, but I personally think Scotland is the best small country in the world. It's a beautiful place. It's got amazing sights. It's got some incredible history. Uh, it's got so much going for it uh, that mm -hmm. it, I just think it's one of the best places in the world. Uh, and you tend to find that the one thing we do have, our biggest drawback is uh, Scottish people are very passionate about Scotland and everything to do with Scotland. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, very much this. We're very national here, and but at the same time, the one the one myth we do have is that um, Scottish people are tight with money, which is actually not correct. We're actually one of the most oh, really? countries in the world. Yeah. Unless oh, you really? Could I have like? Could I have like a hundred pounds, please? Then? Sure, if you just if you just give me your uh, bank account details and your pin code, Ron, I'll make sure that some money gets transferred. Oh, very good. There you go. That's there you go. You. I'll not tell Look you what direction it'll be transferred. I know a man, but um... <laughs> now, that is funny because I had heard that uh, you know that that Scottish people were frugal, and I can remember for years and years my great aunt and my and my father sent this card back and forth at Christmas time and on the cover of the card was a picture of a Scotsman in his kilt and he had a big tartan purse and he was dropping a big penny into it and I guess it was just I don't know it was a running joke between the two of them I don't yeah, really know what it was I about think, but I, I don't know I think it comes from the fact that Scotland has never been a rich place financially mm -hmm. but it's rich in mm -hmm. other ways that's the way I look yeah, at it. Yeah, thanks to the British. The British took all your money. I blame them. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> so, so I, I guess uh, that kind of puts that thing. Now, I want to play that on the other foot. What do you think of New England? What do you think New England's like, Stephen? Wow. I always imagine New England as being a very kind of mysterious and gothic place. I have to put my hands up. I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft. So oh. all my perceptions of New England, and I'm a massive fan of Stephen King. So all of, all of my ah. perceptions of the New England, Maine, that type of area, is all very skewed um, by the, the literature of the time. But I always imagine New England is to be a very kind of open, widespread area with some amazingly uh, of its period architecture uh, and some very small mm -hmm. communities that all actually do work together all in their own kind of unusually strange way. That's my viewpoint of New England, but bear in mind that's skewed by what I read when I grew up. <laughs> no, I think he's got a pretty good grasp. I don't think so. It's not even close. No? No. No? You don't no. think New England sounds like that? No, I do. Go on the go on the low, go on the lawrence, I can go on the tell you. water. You tell me what these places look like. They're not gothic. Well, actually, the the more gothic are in the more urban areas than they are in the outskirts. So, that being said, we're going to do a little experiment. I want you to tell me what. Uh, Anne, where are you in the dungeon? I'm in the dungeon. I want you to see if you can project yourself, Stephen. Uh, we have a telephone connection to Anne's dungeon. So <laughs> can you tell us what her dungeon is like? And we're going to do the same for you. So, I mean, this is, you know, it, and it's just an experiment. We, it's nothing to cast sure. dispersions upon anyone. It's just for fun. Absolutely. So yep, can I'm you tell us? For this you, kind of thing. I, you know, I, I love this stuff. I mean, 
Can you can you tell me what Ann's dungeon looks like? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm chained to the desk. No. <laughs> oh, zip it, zip it. Let Scott do Wait, his work. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Okay, I'm actually. Yep, take your time. Right, the first thing I'm experiencing just now is I get a sense of air. I'm actually in the feeling of airflow around about me. And I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. I'm not sure if it's coming from, it almost feels like it's coming from either a fan or a ventilation of some sorts. I but I'm also hearing air moving in the background for some strange reason. Uh, I feel very, I actually feel, although you mentioned dungeon, I feel very well lit. I actually feel lit to the point where uh, that I, I could actually have a migraine with strong lighting in my eyes just now. Um, there's a, a there's a new smell, like new carpet, wafting up to me just now uh, from my keyboard. Maybe it's burning. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my computer's on fire. Uh, and I'm not quite sure. I've, I'm actually not sure, but for some reason, I feel a bit posturally challenged. I feel as though my lower back's a bit sore just now, uh, just as we're sitting talking. Um, there's also a... It's going to sound crazy, but I feel as though there's either a cross near to me. A what? I feel as though there's a, a, a cross. A cross. A cross? Yeah. yeah. I just had the image <laughs> of a cross put right in front of me, so it must either have been... You must either be either very close to one or almost opposite, I would say, a place of worship. Hmm. Okay. So how did he do it? Well, um, he's right about the airflow because the air conditioning is on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's really, it's cold down here. It, it gets really cold. So, But I'm sitting right under a duct, an air conditioning duct. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'll tell you, the lower back is probably, I mean, my husband has back issues. So maybe you're maybe you're you're feeling him. Um, the cross, I'm I'm kind of stymied on. I don't I don't have one of those down here. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know about that. So Scott, let me tell you, I'm sitting uh, with the air conditioner running in front of a window with no shade or anything on it. Uh, uh, in front of me is a cross. Ah, uh, is another cross. Uh, <laughs> I just got back from the gym, <laughs> and guess what? It's my back. <laughs> oh. I'm just I think saying. You got wrong. I don't know. I'm just saying. Now, is that me trying to um, uh, what's the word? Like verify what you said, or is it nothing? Just a coincidence? You know well, what I mean? It's... That's the interesting thing when you do these experiments is that we all tend to want to make them work, so we, we or, or don't make them want to work, depending on, on who the person is, but we tend to look for things to try to fit the pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, we do. It's, it's that, I believe it's part of that human need to find that either recognition or some sort of acceptance within any given social group. And it, it does happen mm -hmm. a lot, uh, particularly within mm -hmm. the, the types of things that we deal with. Um, mm -hmm. I actually see it quite a lot. Um, for yourself, uh, what I would consider, I'll use the term loosely, a hit and a miss here. The, the, to me, the cross is a hit. The lower back mm -hmm. could be a hit, but uh, I was trying to focus on and the aircon. 
I'm not convinced about for either of you. It, 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 it felt, I know you've both got aircon on just now, but it felt much more like an airflow uh, rather than mm. just, but then again, I, I, I suppose mm. we have different types of air conditioning. But um, mm -hmm. however, you could be right. At times, people will grasp at things to try and mm -hmm. make them fit. Um, mm -hmm. And particularly, I mean, when you're working as a medium, it's our responsibility to know who's just grasping for something and who's not. Because yeah, I mean, you do galleries, Scott, so you, you yeah. must run into that all the time when you start oh, yeah, off, yeah. right? The, the reason being is there we were working psychically, which is different from working mediumistically. The two work very differently. I always find mm. I, I suck at psychic stuff. I really do. I could hold up those... I could hold up those Z I, I used to think Zener cards were something that Lucy Lawless used. Do you know what I mean? I'm, that's a joke. I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> but the the Zener cards with the stars, the squares, the wavy lines, and all that kind of things. Um, mm -hmm. I used to be terrible at those. Absolutely terrible at those. And no matter how much mm -hmm. I wanted to be good at those, I would never be good at those. It's just not what's there. And uh, when you come to work psychically, it's actually very different from when you get a medium link. Uh, simply because mm -hmm. of the flow of information. But um, regardless of that, as you write one, whenever you're working with a, a gallery or a group or even at a church, there are people who will try and make it fit. The responsibility there is to say, well, uh, it, the responsibility was on me to sort it out. Now, you asked me to work with Anne. I was working with Anne. So therefore, although you can grab a couple of things from that, particularly the cross... I would still have to say, no, I don't feel that that's for you because I was asked to work with Anne. Mm -hmm. See, that's the interesting thing. You notice how I made everything that you said fit, and, and it did. And, and I'm not trying to say I made this stuff up. No, this was all true stuff that I told you. But once again, you know how I, I try to, like, take the, the reading away from Anne and make it my own. And this is what you run into when you do yeah. galleries and, and that type oh, of yeah. thing. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. It's it, it's amazing um, how many people will actually almost go to town, go go into a, a, almost a battle to try and grab information from you, and <laughs> it's it, it, it isn't. There's a kind of saying that you get the the message grabbers, the ones who will always put their hand up at a church every week, regardless of whether or not mm -hmm. the message is for them, because they just want to have a message. But at the same time, although that's I actually find a bit of um, I actually find that quite saddening as well that they have to do that. There's obviously something in them that needs to be resolved right. over and above that. They need that, that attention. They need yeah. that wee bit of attention. Um, but mm. always, always the no, onus is on the yeah. onus. <laughs> no problem. Uh, <laughs> we all know Ron needs a lot of attention. So yeah, <laughs> we there can get you go. Hat. I'm a message grabber and I need love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, absolutely. You know, I mean, I was left in a doorstep in a basket, so I mean, you know. Oh, well, that's a shame. You know, uh -huh. I grabbed a message and all I got was a stupid T-shirt. Um, <laughs> out something like that. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, is, 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 see, in, in that case, if this were a, a working situation where we were asked to do things, uh, I always find it's a cop-out if someone... If, who I, I could easily say, right, okay, well, I must have made a mistake. I was working with Euron. But I wasn't right. asked to work with you. Now, unless you were focusing on me with such amazing intent that there's no way I could avoid well, your, your psychic else, you know. threads, you know, uh, right. which I don't think happened there. Uh, I would have to say that. 
what I would do now with this is go back to Anne and say, right, you could understand what we're talking about, about airflow. You could understand that feeling, that connection with the back through you. Keep your eye out because very soon that symbol of that cross is going to come to you in one way or another. And it, okay. it will have oh, meaning. It, it will have meaning. But it's, in a, it's, in a, it's in a positive way. It's not in a negative way. Oh, oh okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> no, it's in a positive way. Uh, I'm not putting you there yet. I don't want to You know what I'm you saying? Know. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and I did have to say that the light, um, if I put the overhead lights down here, it is excruciatingly bright, so I don't oh, I turn them light. on. Yeah. I have a little desk lamp because I hate bright lights. Me too. I hate yeah. them. That's one thing we were together on. So that, that was kind of interesting. And But you know what? I, wanna, I want Ann to try it on you, Stephen. I mean, I can't do it because uh, I have worked with you before, so I actually know a little bit about I mean, I could say some things and I would look awesome, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, Ann, I'm going to ask you to focus on Stephen. And, oh, my goodness. And, no, it's all right. It's all experiments. It's no no pressure. It's not a big deal. Okay. Um, Don't worry if you start levitating, Anne. It's perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so um, give it a shot. Hmm. Just think about it. Okay. Well, let's see. Um... <laughs> Because I'm so wonderfully psychic. Um, Whatever comes in your mind. Don't, see, it's not about psychic. It's, it's about God. Whatever comes to well, your mind. I see him holding a mug. <laughs> I'm not laughing. We already talked about that. So I, I know he has a cup of coffee. Um, uh, I feel like he's sitting um, like at a desk. All right, just close your eyes and see what, what, what you see. It's a simple. It's really simple. Um, I feel like there's a fireplace. Um, I feel like it's dimly lit. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just put me on the spot, Ron. Thanks. It's not a sp- see. You make it. A, you make it like it's it's a uh, competition or something. But it no, I no, I don't. I just uh, put me um, on the spot. You know. Uh, what else can I think of? Um, You're thinking too hard. Is the problem is you should be able to close your eyes and almost envision immediately where okay. Stephen is and everything. It should be really simple and just whatever comes in, just say. Right. It. Well, that's what I just said. Fine. Okay. So we'll go with that. So Stephen, does that make any sense to you? Well, uh, regards to the mug, and no, I've got to say, uh, uh, it's <laughs> actually <laughs> The thing she but, thought but, she was so smug with. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, uh, it, the re- reason is, I'm just going to get the negative thing out of the way because I'm going to tell you something very interesting. You then said, okay. yeah, uh, uh, I'm sitting in the dark. I'm completely in the dark apart from the computer just now. Uh, so okay. it's very dim. It's very dim. You said okay. uh, he's near a fireplace. And mm-hmm. initially I thought, no, but hang on. In my house, there used to be a fireplace. I'm in the bedroom. There's a mm-hmm. big top fireplace behind the wall in the bedroom. Oh. Okay. So I can't see it, but it's there. <laughs> okay. Because uh, it only, I only discovered this because I was laying wood flooring in the bedroom a few months back. And oh. there's an old curved fireplace section. Oh, wow. There's no fireplace anymore because it, it would have connected straight into the chimney stack. But mm-hmm. the... 
the what do you call it, the foundation for the fireplace, the the concrete is still there. Wow. So you're absolutely right, there is a fireplace but you can't see it. Bingo. Which was a, a so which I think go. is fantastic. I think that's a really <laughs> good hit. Yay. So there you go. I mean, the interesting thing is, I do. Uh, I've really gotten involved in psychometry, and, and for those who don't know, psychometry is reading the energy and, and objects, and also viewing. Is I've done some work with that as well. But I love doing psychometry, and I will take an, an item and give it to someone and ask them to basically tell me whatever comes in their mind. And the interesting thing about I, I don't really care about the the right or the wrong thing, in other words, you know, for instance, I brought a, uh, oh, Ann, you would know this, I, 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 br I brought the glass that we got at the cemetery up in uh, New York. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you remember that, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think it was, what was it, Oakdale or something like that, Oakwood or uh, Oakwood Cemetery? Oak Grove. Something uh, like that. Something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. So we had we had picked up this glass and and uh, I brought it into my radio show on Monday morning, which was Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition, and I gave it to uh, Laura Worcester, who who is an intuitive, and also uh, to our producer, uh, uh, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> Lou, Lou Blasi, and and I haven't read it. So you know it was really interesting. Laura picked up it was. Uh, you know, from upstate New York, which was dead on. Wow. And she picked up from, uh, she saw a church, and that was dead on. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, but then they, they told some other stuff as well. And the interesting thing about, I mean, they, they, they were more interested in the things that I could verify than the things I couldn't. And to me, it was the other things that were really interesting. Why did they pick up on these particular items? And, and I don't, you know, have a, to give it to you right now, but mm -hmm. you know, that's to me in, in psychometry is the more interesting aspects is the stories that the objects tell. Not so much the the right or wrong thing, but the stories that when people hold them, they tell. Do, do you find that interesting, Stephen? Or yeah, definitely. Uh, I find that um, you you can get information right or wrong, and it doesn't matter what way you're working. Um, well, we have to take a break. I didn't even miss sure. that. Oh, my butt. Uh, yeah, we'll be right back. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation with Ian Kerrigan and Ron Kolick and our special guest, Stephen Scott, right here on Tojanet Perex Ghost Channel and Beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tojanet. Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. 
And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our very special guest all the way from Scotland, Stephen Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, so, so Stephen, you, I, I interrupted your train of thought, and basically we were talking about the stories behind objects and not so messes not so uh, much being right or wrong, but the stories that people, uh, you know, come up with from reading objects. Yeah. And yeah. Do you find that intriguing as well? Yes, I do, Ron, because it's uh, very often it's, it's not... The f- when I'm working, certainly, uh, this is what I find, but what intrigues me is that uh, very often it's not the facts that make the difference, but the emotional connection that's made with the object that makes the difference, and that's where the story comes in, is that when people begin to tell you after you've spoken about something, uh, I believe that one of the, the, the easiest things that we can pick up on, and but also one of the most misunderstood feelings that we get is our empathy with the emotions of others. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've tried psychometry in the past, and again, my uh, ability to come up with facts and interesting information about it was not good however when I started to talk about the emotions behind the object and the connection that that person had either emotionally to the object that almost that felt like it opened a door that then allowed other information to come through and once you find out the history of some of these objects and you reflect back on how you felt sometimes you need that hindsight to then feed that back into the process and right. say, oh my goodness, yeah, that's how I felt when I held this. I felt as though I wanted to cry or I felt as though I had been left alone or, you know, I was abandoned or, you know, anything like that. You know, I felt as though I was greatly loved and I was part of a huge family. It's only after that you've actually held the object and come to that realisation, perhaps when you hear the story, that you understand that. And that's an important part of anyone's psychic development, personal development, spiritual development, whatever you want to do with it, is to look at not necessarily everything you get right, but look at the sensations and emotions and feelings that go around everything that you do, because everything comes from an emotional and spiritual centre within you, and therefore within everything that you come into contact with. It's the one thing that connects us all, is that we have an emotional and spiritual centre, we are spiritual beings, being human, you know, and everything that we touch leaves that residue in some way. Oh. I, I can agree with you. Mm-hmm. Now, Stephen, you have a, a new book coming out, and I believe it's now on in softcover as well, right? And you yes. want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, the book is called Working for Spirits, and uh, it's subtitled uh, Understanding the Way of Mediumship. Uh, I, it was uh, a book that I first started uh, about a year and a half or so ago, and uh, when I went out into bookshops uh, and I looked for books on either mediumship or development, you found a lot of these books were just simply, you know, come follow this course and by the end of it you'll be seeing dead people kind of books. And yeah. uh, it's that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for someone who was perhaps going to either explain how it worked or try and shed away some of the myth around what this is all about. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find one that ticked all my boxes. So, you know, being a practical Scotsman, I thought, well, I'll write one myself because uh, why not? Uh, I've got uh, as much knowledge as the next person, <laughs> you know. And um, 
it's slowly it's it's been a development process and it's actually something that I've that I have been developing when I look at it since I first started to get involved with spiritualism and mediumship about ten years ago. And it has just been an ongoing process and effectively the next stage in my own development, my own understanding of where I'm going with it and how better to provide this level of service. Because there are times when no matter what we do, we you do see it with some people, they start to forget who it is they're working for when they start doing spiritual work. And the essence of mm -hmm. this is to say, look, you're working for the people who come to you who are in need. Some of them are in terrible grief. Some of them are suffering because of incidents that have happened in their life and they cannot understand why. But ultimately you're working for spirit and the people from spirit who come to you to say, I have a message for you to give to my daughter. She's in pain. Can you please help her get yeah. through this? Mm -hmm. mm. Wow, so what do, you, what do you tell people, Scott, who, uh, Stephen, what is it? I forget. Stephen. <laughs> I've been called worse wrong, <laughs> believe me. Oh, God, I do that to you all the time. Ever since I've known you, and I've known you for quite a while, I mean, through, yeah. through chat and everything, I've always flip-flop your names. I have, like, dyslexia, so that's That's, that's why I've never told you my two middle names. Thank God, right? <laughs> Information overload. Yeah, undoubtedly. So, I mean, what do you tell people who are looking for messages, but there aren't messages? That's a really interesting one because it's there are always messages. However, oh, that's medium, good. mediumship is a three-way connection. It involves the person who's looking for a message. It involves the spirit contact who's looking to give a message and it involves the medium in the middle who acts as nothing more than a conduit for that message. Now, the message is always there, but certain things can go wrong in the delivery of the message. And I've had this happen. In fact, I had this happen last week. I stopped a reading and said to the lady, listen, I'm sorry, this just isn't working because of certain factors. The breakdown can happen between the sitter and the medium. The breakdown can happen between the medium and the spirit contact. And also the spirit contact may not, or may be putting information across to the sitter who is either not aware of it or has forgotten about it. So that connection could break down. So the message is always there. I've lost count of the amount of times I've been on a church platform and I've delivered a message and they've told me who to go to and I've gone straight to someone rather than just opening it out and said, listen, I have a gentleman here. His name's John. He's telling me he's your uncle. Uh, no, no, I don't have an Uncle John. All right, okay, I'm sorry, it can't be for you, you open it out. Someone else takes it, but it never really feels right. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the service, that person comes up to you and goes, oh, you meant my Uncle John? Oh, shoot him. <laughs> yes, I did. And all the while, you've had to deliver a message that's bitsy and fragmented because the Uncle John knows this person can hear the message, so he continues mm -hmm. to deliver it. But he knows it's not going to the right person. Oh but he knows my God! Listening. That must be really messy. Mm. It's you. You you start off. I'm I'm not tall, Ron. I'm only five foot seven. But by the end of that, you feel one foot two. <laughs> you just get smaller and smaller and smaller because it's so bitsy and broken and fragmented. And there's nothing uh -huh. you as a medium can do about that because the sitter uh -huh. has decided I don't know this person or they've forgotten. What's worse is, I'll tell you a story, it's actually in my book. Um, my wife and I were at a church, I'll not say where, and I got this message coming through. This wonderful man came in and he went straight to this little lady in the middle row 
And I said, I've got this gentleman here. He'd like to talk to you. He's putting himself on this small red tricycle and he's cycling about and he's bringing back all these memories of childhood living in amongst all these old buildings where they burnt coal and he's going back in time, blah, blah, blah. I, I gave her a lot of information. No, I don't know this man. Okay, and I said, he gave me a name. I says, he's given me this name. Yes, that's my name, but I don't know this man. And she just refused <laughs> to take the message. So I actually had to let this go. This is the worst situation you can ever get. I had to say to everyone in the church, I'm sorry, I can't make a link here. I'm going to have to ask this gentleman to step back. I'll move away from him and I'll see if I can move on. I felt awful. My, she didn't know my wife was sitting in front of her. She turned to the lady next to her and said, I'm not taking a message from that man in spirit. He went to prison. <gasps> oh! Oh, no! There's well, nothing that- you can do about that. That's terrible. So sometimes the messages are there, but people don't want to hear them. Yeah, just to deny it and make you look, you know, foolish. Not foolish. I I honestly cannot make that up. That's a true story. It's a God's honest true story. Uh, and I know I know that the time is running out, and and we had a, a question uh, from one of the listeners, and Ian, uh, he I guess even before the show he was asking yeah, about it. Yeah. So we, we I, had I do a question. Get, I do yeah. want to get that in if we can. Sure. Yeah. We had a question from Lewis uh, in our Tokenet chat room, and he said, um, "Yeah, so if we could raise the question of, uh, well, what can we learn from ghosts? It seems." that they haven't moved on because of unfinished business. Um, But then he said, in other words, what are the most common reasons why ghosts haven't moved on? Oh, I'm going to get into trouble here. Um, Because... I love trouble. (laughs) Yep, you have to hear me out here. All the way through, okay? I don't believe in ghosts. You don't believe in ghosts? No. Let I'm me letting them go. Oh, but hold on, hold on, hold on. But ghosts in the in the in the fashion that a ghost is a spirit that's tied to a place because of something happened and they can't move on. I don't believe that. What I do believe is that the human part of us that lives and creates an energy around about us can create a psychic stain. That psychic stain can exist, for example, stone tapes within the fabric of a building or an organism, or anything that it comes into contact with. When people perceive ghosts, I believe they perceive a psychic stain in that place. Now, some ghosts seem to react to people. I believe it is the person who asks the questions, who fuels the things, that fuels the imprint that creates it. It's a psychic resonance. There's a big difference to me between ghosts and spirits. A spirit is the energy of a person who's passed, who has come back to this level of existence to look after and care for and give comfort and guidance to those that they knew in that lifetime. A spirit, from all my experiences, and I've been in haunted locations, a spirit cannot be held in this earth plane. It's an energetic form of a higher vibration and is free to come and go as it pleases. However, we as human beings can create negativity and can create negative effects through our own psychic faculties. And very often we don't know we're doing it. I've done that myself on occasions. And I could give you a very good example of it. 
Okay. What happened was, it was actually, um, uh, I was on a, I went to one of the courses at Tutbury Castle, uh, and it was uh, it was actually Kieran O'Keefe and Steve Parsons that ran the course. It was part of their So You Want to Be a Ghost Hunter thing. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yep. And I'm going to have to ask uh, Stephen about that then. You can, yeah. <laughs> feel free uh, Feel free to ask Steve about that one. Um, you'll remember me, I'm the guy with the yellow jacket that ran back to get another one. Uh, it was a couple of years <laughs> back. Um, I was wearing one of my work jackets, one of these bright yellow jackets with the fluorescent stripes. Uh, <laughs> and while we were there, we were part of all this psychic energy, and there was a great expectation from a lot of people. You had a lot of most haunted fans, you had a lot of very keen people on that. And you could, the air was palpable with just expectation. Mm-hmm. My wife and I went back to our hotel that night, and our hotel was reportedly to be haunted. Nothing had happened the previous night, but we brought back all this energy with us. And we brought back our own expectation, our own levels of fun. Uh, that evening, about the usual time, about three in the morning, classic case, bang, 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 on the wall of my room. There were no other adjoining oh. rooms to this. And we were on the second story. Bang, bang, bang. Woke me up out of nowhere. I couldn't waken my wife up. She was almost in a coma. She was ill-responsive. In the corner <laughs> of the room, I then heard a squeak, 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 and I saw the chair move. I then heard bang, bang, bang again and looked, and it came from the cupboard. As this happened, I tuned myself in. I was also extremely panicked at this point. I have to say, it was a big shock at that time in the morning, even for somebody like myself. You don't expect it. I tuned in, and I picked up the energy of a small child, and I felt as though that child had lost a mother, and was replaying that scenario, which had knocked my wife out, to be the mother, so that I felt as though the child's mother had died while the child was in the room. Oh. That's what I felt, okay? That's why my, the energy in that room had basically like, knocked my wife out to, as that role. The fear I was feeling was picked up from that room, but I created that entire situation, or we did, by bringing all our energy and buzz into that room. Hmm. We replayed that scenario specifically for us, and because we both work you know, spiritually, we were more susceptible to the after effects of that, i.e. my wife got knocked out, and I, I literally, I was shaking her, she wouldn't wake up. That gave me a fright. And at the same time, I was picking up on the fear and the panic, because I really, I just wanted to run out of the room and get help, but I was terrified to leave the room. Uh, for no reason. Uh, and that actually happened, and I really do feel as though we created that scenario, but it existed in the Almost like the ether, it existed within the building in the first place. It actually, it, it, it existed there, but we fueled it. We were the catalyst that fueled it. But after that, it was gone. After it had expended its energy, it was gone. Well, it's interesting you say that because in our last uh, Ghost Chronicles International show, we had a gentleman who invented the stone tape projector. Which is being used by uh, Derek, or was being used by Derek Akora and uh, Richard Felix in their Psychic and Science show. And we're going to be doing some experiments with him next year, uh, in fact, live experiments on the air and uh, visual as well. And uh, so we'll be kind of putting your uh, thoughts to the test on this. If, if mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, stoned tape theory is real, then we'll be able to release the energy uh, and actually show a visual of what is being 
uh, stored in in the stone or in the brick. Hmm. That sounds pretty cool. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh when you said, you know, my wife was in a coma. I thought you were, you know, you were being no, 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 don't worry. Was so deep I've... asleep. That's the thing that's quite humorous. It's one of the few times she's not been uh, uh, passing any remarks about me, so I was quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going oh, to get hit now. I think she's staring at me from the corner of the room. <laughs> oh, she heard you? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I know we have a Beyond Bizarre coming up, um, but before I do that... Uh, I actually would like to ask you to give me a number from 1 to 999. Have you Steven. forgotten your age again, Ron? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, 1, 2, 3. Oh, that's so, so, so trite. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so trite. Here's trite. a message for, here is a message for you, Stephen, and this is... Uh, this is for you. Uh, simplify your life by letting go of anything extraneous or unnecessary. Ask others, including heaven, to help you and delegate more often. So that's... Uh, Can I just say something, Ron? That is the hardest lesson I've had to learn in my life. Seriously. Really? It actually is. It's one of the things I, co- I constantly refuse to delegate. Okay, there you go. I have problems so anyways, with that, too. That was that was a message from the angels, according to Doreen Virtue and her angel numbers 101. But right now, we have to listen to a Beyond Bizarre in Mike the Headless Chicken. So uh, let's play oh. my Beyond Bizarre. <laughs> Mike the Headless Wonder Chicken. In 1945, farmer Lloyd Olson of Frusia, Colorado, went to his barnyard to butcher a chicken for his family's dinner. But the chicken in question had other ideas. Olson skillfully beheaded the fowl with a swift axe chop, and the body, like those of so many freshly killed chickens, began to stagger around. Then, it took off running. The next day, Olson found the headless rooster still alive and pecking. Unable to kill a bird with such a clear will to live, the farmer began using an eyedropper to feed rain and water down its esophagus. He then drove the bird 250 miles to the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. There, scientists determined that Olson's axe blow had missed the rooster's jugular vein, and a subsequent blood clot had kept the bird from bleeding to death. The brain stem, which controlled most of the bird's reflexive functions, remained attached to the body. Oblivious to the fact that most of his head was missing, the rooster continued trying to peck for food, preening its feathers, and sleeping with the top of its neck under its wing. Over the next 18 months, Olson continued to use an eyedropper to feed the bird, who flourished in spite of his handicap, growing from 2.5 pounds to a robust 18 pounds. Dubbed Mike, the headless wonder chicken, the plucky rooster and Olson set off on a national tour and became the subject of articles in Time and Mike magazines. Unfortunately, Mike's miraculous life came to an abrupt end in an Arizona hotel. The rooster choked, and Olson was unable to find an eyedropper to clear his feather friend's throat. Today, Mike still has his own fan club, and his dauntless spirit is celebrated annually in Fruta, Colorado, on the third weekend in May. Mike's festival includes a chicken recipe contest, a chicken dance contest, and a 5K run like a headless chicken. Appropriately, the event's website states, 
Attending this fun family event is a no-brainer. A hilariously frightening fact from Barla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's exactly how I run. No. <laughs> I got to say, that's, that's one of the best, best Beyond Bazaars I've uh, ever heard. <laughs> that was great. Good Barla. <laughs> It's true. That's what's too scary about it. Oh, my God. I hope they ate him for dinner when he was dead. <laughs> 18 pounds. 18 pound chicken. Yeah, he should have retired with the Purdue farm or something. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, that was horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> Great. Oh, okay. Stephen says, you kept me up till midnight for this. Right. <laughs> Oh my God! Did we lose him, or is he still here? No, I'm still here. I'm still laughing at I, the run like I am chicken contest. There. <laughs> Only in America. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I did want to mention is, is that you do live in Scotland, and, and I asked you in uh, the, the chat uh, if you had visited some castles, and yeah, uh, yeah. and I was going to ask you what it was like for you being a medium to visit these uh, particular locations, and uh, so I, I, let me ask you, what was it like? Yeah, it's, um, well, to be honest, it's very much the same as just uh, anyone at all. I hate to be so bland about uh, visiting these locations. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that you do, you do pick up and more readily on some of the background things that have perhaps happened there. Uh, but uh, as a medium, I make the choice to tune myself out before mm -hmm. I go to these places very often. Because with castles, uh, there's usually a great deal of tragedy, a great deal of uh, suffering, a great deal of yeah, problems. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. just one or two um, mm -hmm. <laughs> as, as you go around the country. But... Um, I like to look at them from an architectural point of view and just to kind of look at the, the, the beauty and the history that lies there uh, rather than go there as a, as a working medium. Um, but the, there are times when, uh, particularly, it's not in Scotland, but when we visited Cardiff Castle, uh, during the war they used to use Cardiff Castle as uh, or sections of it as a, a, an air raid shelter. And just walking along that with the sound of the sirens and everything playing through a tannoy system, you could you could feel, you could empathise with just what it must have been like the fear, the terror that took place during the Second World War when there was a blitz on uh, and when the bombers were coming in um, it's no different than when you go to for example uh, I'm trying to think um, Craig Miller Castle is one of the ones that I mentioned, which is not very well known but it's um, it's a castle that was, uh, I believe, visited by Mary Queen of Scots, where she, if I remember the story correctly, she plotted with men to uh, basically do away with her husband at the time, and the whole plot was hatched in this location. So as you're walking about, it's it, there is a kind of dark atmosphere lurking at the background of it. Now, getting back to where we started tonight, Ron, is that because I know the history, or is it because I'm picking it up? That's an interesting question. Uh, and right. I, th I think the answer's very difficult to try and unravel. It's perhaps a mix of both. Um, at the same time, uh, there is a wee ghost group in Glasgow that uh, I've helped out from time to time and gone along. Uh, again, it's not what I do, 
but uh, I was asked to try and help out, mm-hmm. and um, I went along, and it wasn't a castle, but it, it, it was a large private estate and private house, and I went in blind, didn't know a thing, and all I knew was is that a gentleman had killed a woman at that location. You, you could feel it, it was, it was there, it was in the atmosphere, and I felt as though he was hung and died, but for some reason I kept wanting to walk out of the gates, whenever I thought about that. And it was only later afterwards, uh, when we were getting debriefed, as it were, or when we spoke to the caretaker, that he told me that the man indeed did kill his wife and his child there, and he was taken away by mob and hanged in the centre of Glasgow, which was about three miles away. He was dragged out the gate, mm-hmm. basically kicking and screaming. Uh-huh. You pick up on that, you, you can't avoid it. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just one of those things that you pick up when you go to visit these old buildings. There is that, all of that energy just stored there. And it just takes the right person, the right place at the right time to walk in and unleash it. And unfortunately, someone gets a backlash from that. You know, they usually get it right in the face. <laughs> and that's when people have their experiences. That's the right place at the right time with the right energy just to make it happen. Hmm. So, I mean, interesting. You were, you've been a medium, medium, so you took this course, so you want to be a ghost hunter. So, I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, was it... And why did you take it that? I guess that's even more a curious question. Well, uh, out of anything, it was curiosity. Um, it was early on, it was about, I can't remember, it was about five or six years ago, seven years ago now. I can't remember exactly. But um, essentially, it was just out to see what it was like and to get a bit of, you know, official, let's go and try this for real rather than as an amateurish group. Let's go with a professional who's done it for a long time and, you know, a professional, that's... You know what I mean, you know, you can't quit a professional ghost hunter, but someone who has a good amount of experience, someone who has a parapsychological background or a psychological background as well, was interesting, mm-hmm. and um, just to get their perspective on it. And that was the main reason that we did it, uh, more than anything else. Um, and I found that the information that I picked up there was uh, interesting. I was partnered with a... a girl that night uh, and we were up in this old tower at Tutbury Castle this old hill um, with, with a kind of a tower on it and this girl turned around and screamed because she saw this dark shadow standing behind me and she let this big mm-hmm. scream an absolute blood curdling roar you know? oh that's so cool <laughs> I love that <laughs> it really was that's it why was, I love most terrifying. haunted I love to hear a bit Oh, it was, it was better, Ron. It, it must have carried for about six miles because it's all open. Um, oh. it, it wasn't a ghost. It was the spirit of her grandfather coming in to watch over her. And oh, we, we had a quiet chat for two or three minutes. I discovered the girl was a trainee medium, but she just didn't realise what oh, she'd wow. seen. Because she was in a haunted location, again, getting back to what we were talking about, she thought she saw a ghost. And I said, right. no, it's your grandfather. His name's Alfred, which was correct. And he just <laughs> gave me some information. Uh, Ron, you I, hate, pizza. I, hate to say, I hate to say that yeah, the, the pizza from the hell is here in oh, uh, Sarawak, so we have to say <laughs> goodbye. So before uh, we go, can you give out your uh, website uh, and also the name of your book and where it's available? Sure. It's Working for Spirit. You can, uh, and my website is www.stephenwkscott.com. You can get the book from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any good bookseller. And you can also order it direct from myself if you live in the UK. So there you go. Well, that one was great. One of these days we're going to get you over here, aren't we, Ian? I hope oh, so. I would love it. I'll jump at it. 
<laughs> All right, Stephen, uh, Scott, or whatever your name is, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, you know, sharing our madness. And, and, but, you know, it was well worth it. You learned all about Fantastic. Mike the Headless Thanks Chicken. Again. So, I mean, that alone is worth the price of the ticket. That's right. Thank you, Stephen, so much. Thanks. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. Yeah. Good night and God bless, everyone. We'll uh, see you next week. Good night. Thanks for listening. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. 